Welcome to Sliding Doors, the podcast that delves into the decisions and moments that shape our lives. I am Jenny Becker, and throughout my life, career and relationships, I've always been fascinated with the notion that everything happens for a reason, alongside my love for the 90s movie classic, Sliding Doors. Have you ever really thought about those moments that shaped your life? Those decisions that could have gone either way in the opportunities presented to you? What if you had taken that job? or told that person in high school how much you liked them. Each episode, I will talk to some amazing people from all walks of life and chat about their sliding doors moments. We will reflect on how a decisional moment changed the course of their lives and how things might have looked if they had never happened. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. My guest today is Arlene Phillips, CBE. Arlene is a world-renowned choreographer, theatre director, former judge on Strictly Come Dancing, showbiz legend, and is honoured as a CBE for her services to dance and charity. Originally from Manchester, Arlene moved to London in her mid-teens, where she's lived ever since. From creating the provocative and revolutionary dance group Hot Gossip in the 1970s, to working with stars from film, TV and theatre, She's always been strongly influenced by American and modern jazz. She's internationally recognised as a choreographer and director of some of the biggest selling West End and Broadway musicals, including The Sound of Music and Starlight Express. Also choreographing the 1982 film Annie and the Duran Duran song The Wild Boys, named Best British Video at the 1985 Brit Awards. In 2004, she became a household name as a judge on the BBC show Strictly Come Dancing, where she stayed for an amazing five series. Arlene's incredible career is still going strong today, with her working on a new theatre production of Greece. 
I'm so honoured and thankful to have her on Sliding Doors as someone who's brought so much to so many people. Welcome to Sliding Doors, Arlene. Thank you very much. It's lovely to be here. It's lovely to have you. So we both um, grew up in Manchester. We now both live in London. And I actually first chatted to you at an event where you were speaking about the topic of never giving up. And you were so inspirational and gave so many lovely and brilliant examples of the challenges you faced. But also what really resonated with me was the determination that you had, not only for yourself, but all the people that you've worked with. Yes, um, I think I'm a very passionate person, you know, as they say, in touch with my feelings. And I think I've been very, very fortunate having the career I have, which was totally unexpected, which is why I like the term sliding doors, because everybody has to look when that sliding door moment can happen that can change their lives. And it happened to me remarkably a number of times. Yeah, definitely. So I've pushed, I've pushed along and I encourage people always just push along, you know, the train that doesn't stop. Yeah. And you're such a brilliant example of that. And as I said before, I think a lot of people know you from Strictly, but you've done so many amazing things in your career. I mean, you were like at the beginning of the MTV music video evolution. You've done, you've worked with Elton John, Whitney, Queen, Tina Turner. I mean, you've done some incredible things and I guess you've, you've had all those experiences to be able to help other people. Yeah. I think it's really, really important, you know, I always felt actually that I was looking out for myself, Mm -hmm. um, listening, watching, using my eyes, my ears. And it was was a real struggle. I I don't think people realize that. I think they think everything fell into my lap. It didn't. But now, today, more and more people are moving into theatre, into film, into television. More, more people aspire to do really creative things. And I think anyone um, growing up in my era ever really thought they'd have the opportunity to do. So I see remarkable, creative young people, and I want you know for them to be part of my life and vice versa and encourage them in their creativity. Yeah, no, I love that. Um, How did you first, and when and how did you first fall in love with dance? I was very young when I first fell in love with dance because my parents both loved dance and that was just a love that they had from seeing films or whatever they had the opportunity to do. They love classical music, so would play all of the, the classical ballet music that, that existed on our gramophone. Yeah. And when the opportunity came, there was in Manchester a concert at the Free Trade Hall of Russian dancers. And my uh, parents took my older brother, myself, and my younger sister to see this concert. And we were sitting right at the back of the free trade hall when I just remember this vision coming on stage in a tutu and dancing the dying swan on point. And my love of dance was born and has never left me. 
Oh, it's so brilliant. And it's so nice to see that, you know, something that your parents loved kind of filtered down to you from all the amazing things you've done, because you've obviously done a lot of choreography, but you've also kind of worked as a judge and everything. What of all the projects that you've worked on, what is the kind of the one that really stands out to you as your favourite? I have some things very dear to my heart to do with opportunities I I never thought I'd get. And that that is working with one of the most eminent of royal ballet dancers to create a piece for him. And that's Edward Watson, who I used to go and watch all the time. I watched him dance at the Royal, um, became quite friendly with him through associates. And being able to create a um, a piece of dance for him. Uh, I would say it was more contemporary mix, um, classical contemporary. Um, I think it was completing that circle. Mm-hmm. How could somebody who dreamt of dance, who dreamt of ballet, who didn't get an opportunity to go to the ballet school she wanted to go to because of, um, sadly in my life, my mother passing away and yeah. it was impossible to go. And I end up by creating this piece for a Royal Ballet dancer. I I think it has to be the moment closest to my heart. Yeah, such a pinch me moment, as you say, like thinking about you watching the ballet when you were younger. Um, So it must have been strange then when you were asked to be a judge on Strictly because it was such an unknown, I mean, kind of an unknown territory for you, I guess. It was really odd um, being asked to judge on Strictly. The truth is that um, when I created Dance Group Hot Gossip, um, without really thinking, it was called like Arlene Phillips Hot Gossip on any posters or on TV. And and so I became known um, as the voice of Hot Gossip, let's say. They were the dancers, they were the group. I became the voice. And um, suddenly I'd gone from this girl who was teaching to suddenly becoming known by everyone because I was invited onto TV to discuss everything, yeah. whether I knew anything about it or not, <laughs> simply because in a sense I'd become a celebrity, although it wasn't really thought of as we think of yeah. celebrities now, but became a voice. So I was always on television. People knew me as a voice of dance. So when Strictly came along, um, I was asked to to become a judge and um, do uh, and make the pilot with Len Goodman and actually one other person. And we all went along to this sort of almost like shambles of a pilot where nobody quite knew what they were doing. There was this great idea for a show that used to be called Come Dancing, was now going to be strictly Come Dancing and it was a mix celebrities and pros. But at, at the pilot, Len and I were sitting, chatting to each other, and we were like, what is this going to be? You know, Len was in love with, you know, come dancing, being yeah. on come dancing. So, no, what is this? And, and I was like, I don't know. You know, it's not, it's not really my world. Of course, I, I do ballroom and Latin because mm-hmm. I train. It's not my world. And we both discussed it. And he says, would you do it? And I said, well, if you do it, and it was like that. And, and suddenly there I was, a judge on Strictly Come Dancing. 
Oh, it's so amazing. And actually, I mean, you're always my favorite judge and I really mean that. But I think, you know, you were there from the beginning and it's taking that chance on something um, that's now, you know, as big as it, as big as it is. Huge, absolutely huge. Yeah. And so you have done so many things and you mentioned before loving the concept of kind of sliding doors. From your perception, what are kind of your thoughts and beliefs around, you know, being in the right place at the right time, as opposed to, you know, putting in that hard work and dedication to get you where you want to be and for the things happening that do in your life? I think hard work and dedication have got to be a factor of of whatever happens to you. And certainly in the world of dance, entertainment, theatre, you have to be passionate about it. You have to want it so much and that want never goes away. The want becomes a need and the need becomes your fortitude that that stands you there in good stead. Mm -hmm. So you have to be ready, but you also have to, you have to be aware of taking a chance and then it becoming a sliding door moment. Yeah. I'm searching for that moment and I'm going to make it happen because I'll know when it comes. You don't. Yeah. So one of the, you know, one of the jobs I had um, when I was in London and moved to London and had no money was taking a job, giving me somewhere to live, giving me somewhere to work and earn money, but also give me the opportunity um, to be able to do and study all of the dance I wanted to do happened to be through a friend, a job with Ridley Scott. Yeah. So actually that leads in very nicely to your first moment because, and I think you're right. It's so nice to think about, you know, when you look back, it's not sometimes the big moments. It's those small little things that all join up. And as you said, so Arlene's first moment is you can talk a bit more about how you met Ridley, um, but Ridley Scott put you forward to be a choreographer on an advert. Um, a producer called you before you were doing a dance class, um, heard some of the music you were playing, which led to you getting the gig. So rewind a little bit. How did you even meet Ridley Scott? Okay. Um, when I came to London, I was studying with a teacher called Molly Malloy. And she was the most extraordinary dance teacher, American, bringing this new style of dance to London. And she had given me a scholarship because she believed in me. Mm -hmm. And when I said I needed a job to stay, I couldn't stay in London a moment longer, she said, oh, I have a really good friend, um, Ridley Scott. He's looking for someone to live in, help look after his child, clean the house, help whenever it's needed, help whenever needed. That was the job for me. And um, Molly choreographed commercials for Ridley. She was a choreographer and a teacher and moved to Paris. And Ridley got in touch with me and said, can you choreograph this little commercial? And it was a tiny little commercial for Lions Made Ice Cream. It was um, uh, a dancing cow and (laughs) a farmer and a milkmaid who was Miriam Margulies. And it was for Lions Made Ice Cream. And it was a tiny little thing and I did that and one week later Ridley called me and said I've been asked to do um, Dr Pepper commercials in America these huge commercials at Pinewood Studio massive dancers will you choreograph and I was like I don't do this I don't do this how am I going to do this and I said Ridley um 
I'm not sure I can do it. Oh, yes, of course you can do it. Um, I'm going to talk to the producers and tell them all about you. And the producer said, well, what's she done? This conversation went on with Ridley. It was, well, she just choreographed a commercial for me. And her name was Linda Meverack. And he said, well, let me talk to her. Let me talk to her. Yeah. And there was a phone in the class where I was teaching. There was a phone. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, nobody had mobile phones then. Yeah. They hardly even had phones in their home. And um, so I had my assistant. I knew it, that the phone call was going to come at the start of the class where I did this exercise and I um, used a piece of music from Pasharel. And the phone rang and everyone was continuing with the exercises led by my assistant. And I got on the phone and she said, hi, Linda Merrack here. I said, hi, it's Arlene. And really tell me you want to talk to me. And she said, what is that music? I said, it's one of my favorites, um, Pashabelle the Canon. She said, it's mine too. Hey, hon, I'm supposed to talk to you about the job. You got the job. Oh, Be great so to see amazing. you. And it was that. And, and she's still one of my closest friends in life. Oh, that's so brilliant. And I mean, it's very much kind of like, you know, right moment, right time playing the music. I mean, I have, I mean, I'm sure you think about this before, but like, you know, if it is so simple as thinking, if you weren't playing that music, would you have got the role and kind of what that led to? But, you know, it shows, as you said, it's not sometimes always about, you know, showing the big flashy things. She obviously saw and felt the passion or something some form of connection with you with that piece of music it was it was extraordinary and these commercials were huge and I went on to choreograph them to go to America year after year to choreograph these commercials the Dr Pepper commercials in America really yeah they were so successful they really changed um, the way Dr. Pepper was sold there. It wasn't here at the time. We didn't have Dr. Pepper. But over there, it was really big. It was the big drink. And they'd always done dance commercials. But my style was very different and inventive because I kind of never followed traditions. Yeah, um, definitely. And so, yes, it, it led to a massive change and success in my life. And I had money for the first time. It's so brilliant. And actually, it's funny because when I first moved to London, I used to babysit all the time because it's, you know, it's the way that you can get by and do what you want to do. But as but I think what's brilliant to think is you should always be open because you never know who you're going to babysit for. You never know who's going to call who and say what to who. And it's a brilliant example of really always showing your passion to everyone that you meet. Yeah. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical new user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Um, so 
you have another brilliant call slash talk that was a sliding doors moment in your life. So um, you were making a film in Los Angeles in 1979 um, and a chance talk led you to being asked to choreograph Starlight Express. So what was the film? Where were you? Who was the talk with and what happened? Uh, I um, was invited to LA to um, choreograph a film called Can't Stop the Music with the Village People. Now, at the time I was asked to choreograph it, the village people were number one all over the world. They were the biggest thing, you know, to imagine. YMCA in the Navy, they were huge. Yeah. And Alan Carr, the producer of Greece, um, had uh, been in London with Olivia Newton-John and they came to see Hot Gossip in a little club, actually, and um, asked for me um, to send over some videos of hot gossip stuff I'd yeah. done he fell in love with hot gossip so he wanted me and hot gossip to go over um as I was the chore choreographer of can't stop the music and um hot gossip were going to be dancers in the film mm -hmm. and I was also pregnant at the time and incidentally I felt that as I was pregnant and the baby would be due in the middle of the film, I wasn't going to go and do it. And I spoke to Linda Meverack, the producer of the Hot Gossip film, and I said, I don't know what to do. You know, I want this baby. Of course I want this baby. I want to choreograph the film. And she said, in America, you've signed that contract. You're doing that film. Just find out when... The, your baby's due. I said, oh, I know that. <laughs> Just find out where they're up to in, on the making of the film. And interestingly, we were rehearsing in LA. We had a month's filming in New York. And then there was like a 10-day hiatus. And that was when I was going to have my baby. Oh, that's amazing. And they, they, they couldn't have been kinder. Alan Carr provided a Winnebago, a nanny, a guru, so that I could do breathing exercises really? every day. Wow. It was, you know, what a way to have a baby and have everybody just facilitate the, the you know, the way that I, you could have that baby and still work. Yeah. So what happened? Um, in the film, Alan Carr wanted a roller skating number. And I said, I don't roller skate. I'll get you the best teacher in LA. You'll roller skate. And were you so pregnant when you had to I was roller pregnant. <laughs> I was pregnant, but I didn't think about it. Because when I was pregnant with Alana, my first daughter, I was me, just me with a bump. Yeah. And Doing so I do. was choreographing. And one day I was working on the roller skating, Alan Carr came in the studio. About this time, I was over seven months, seven and a half months, oh really God. started to show. And he came in and he, to see what routine I put together, and he went, are you insured? Are you insured? Did anybody get insurance? Are you insured? <laughs> get those things off your feet. And of course, I hadn't really thought about it, being yeah. pregnant. He hadn't. Maybe take the roller skates off. And that was that. Christmas 1979, I was back in London and yeah. Andrew Lloyd Webber was a huge fan of Hot Gossip mm -hmm. and um, had invited me with Alana, my little tiny baby, to spend a couple of days over Christmas there. And we were chatting and one of the things I told him about was the baby, you know, on, uh, literally born, yeah. <laughs> almost with me on roller skates. <laughs> we laughed about it. That was it. Gone. 
1982, Andrew called me up and said, you know that story you told me about roller skates? Do you still roller skate? Can you roller skate? I said, sure. He says, because I'm going to do a musical called Starlight Express, which is on roller skates, and I'd like you to choreograph it. So talk about sliding doors, coincidences. How incredible. How incredible. And it's just, you know, it's that one. I mean, you're probably the only person he knew that, you know, was choreographer and roller skater all combined into one. Yeah. And how did Starlight Mm -hmm. Express kind of change your life as kind of a choreographer? Uh, Starlight Express totally changed my life um, because, I mean, it got very mixed reviews, but the impact the show made Mm -hmm. was enormous. And so from that moment on, I was asked to choreograph literally one musical after another, after another, after another. It just didn't stop. You know, literally the shows came rolling in. Yeah, no, I love that. And do you ever think, you know, what would have maybe happened if you hadn't have got Starlight Express? Like, do, do you do you ever think about that? I think if I hadn't got Starlight Express, I would definitely, because of the impact my films made, mm-hmm. um, uh, can't stop the music. The um, the producer of Annie loved the big numbers, so wanted me to choreograph the film of Annie. Um, and certainly with Hot Gossip, Kenny Everett video show, I moved into videos, um, music videos. So I think I wouldn't have had film and TV. I'm not sure my theatre career mm-hmm. would have gone anywhere without Starlight Express. Yeah, I mean, do you, what do you like doing best? Do you, do you like the TV angle more and the kind of music videos, or do you love the like world of theatre? I I. I love the world of theatre, but then I fall in love with everything I do. If I've chosen to do it, I fall in love with it. The thing about about theatre is it's just a whole process. The, The intimacy of being with people for weeks and months. Yeah. Um, as opposed to Yes, maybe so on a film, but certainly on music videos or TV commercials or TV shows, it's in and out, in and out, in and out. It's all in sort of short-term bubbles. Yeah, and in theatre you build your family, don't you? And it's kind of like you're all in it together. Yeah. Um, Oh, I love that. That Sliding Girls moment's literally one of the best I've heard. I love it so much. Um, And your last moment. So um, you mentioned before about being pregnant um, the first time round. Uh, and having all, everything around you and um, being on your roller skates. But you also became a mother for the second time at 47 and you say it kind of brought a new lease of life. So, I mean, 47 is quite old to have a, a child anyway, but how did, you know, where were you when you fell pregnant? Do you remember? Like what were you in the middle of? I mean, I'm sure you're probably on stage somewhere dancing around. Um, it was quite extraordinary. When I had my first daughter, Alana, at 36, um, I was already considered an ageing mother. Mm-hmm. So I was used to those words. However, when I was pregnant at 47, I, I first of all, had not realised I was pregnant. Yes, I was working. I was preparing um, for um, a show. I was doing TV. I had a commercial in Amsterdam. I was, you know, running, running, running. And even though I hadn't had my period, I was just 
assumed it was the start of the menopause yeah. and completely ignored it, carried on with my life and just like, oh, damn, you know, I'm going to get hot flushes. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be okay, I'll be okay. And then at what I now know is um, just over four months pregnant, I started to get morning sickness. Um, and I had not had one morning of sickness with Alana. For yeah. me, morning sickness didn't exist. Yeah. And suddenly I was met with this almighty morning sickness and I realised, hang on, there's nothing in the guidebook that says you get <laughs> yeah. sick. Um, What's going on? on? Yeah, on the menopause. So I went, checked and found out I was pregnant. And... At first, I was quite bewildered because um, that really was more at that time uh, an aging mother. Yeah. And there were all these fears about everything that could be wrong with the baby. And, and I thought, I'm not going to panic, but I am going to have this baby. Yeah, I am having this baby. And I know, I know my body. I know, you know... This, ba this baby's going to happen and everything will be fine. No matter how many tests I had to do, um, I was going to have this baby. And it was quite alarming because when I first went um, to, you know, to um, check out having the baby, I was met with like, oh, my goodness, well, you're the, you're, you're the oldest woman I'll have ever delivered a baby for. <laughs> and, oh, maybe we could get some students in and um, uh, to, to watch the process because we haven't had anyone in 47 like before. And then I was like, hang on a minute, no, I just, just want this. I just want to have my baby. Baby. And then um, also, and don't worry if you don't bond immediately because, you, you know, you're the age for a lot of people, when they become a grandma. <laughs> and I was just like, oh, just hold on here. So it was met with sort of um, concern, yeah. I would say. And I remember going like to the first day um, of nursery school with her, and I was really worried that everyone was just going to turn around and look, you know, uh like I'm going to be the grandma but luckily there were some older mothers there and and now I it, it to me it was such such a blessing it was yeah. such a gift to have a child naturally yeah. and you said you know you give a hundred percent to everything you do and as you say whether everyone says all those doctors say that thing to you like you'd committed and you knew it was you know going to happen and did you how did it affect kind of like your work life at the time? Like, and I know, I mean, I'm sure that when you had your first baby, you probably just went back to work quite quick. You know, you were working as you were having her. So did did it change when you were a bit older? You know, it didn't really. And I'll tell you why. It's because um, Alana, my oldest daughter, kind of grew up by my side. Mm -hmm. You know, she would come into rehearsal, we'd bring the basket of toys, we'd just... It was part of her, um, it was part of her life. Yeah. And I, I wanted to do the same with Abby, certainly when she was a baby. And, I, you know, I was lucky that um, I could take her everywhere. I always had the ability to have someone to look after her. So it didn't really, um, 
I didn't go back to work as quickly, mm-hmm. but but I always felt if you have your child for as long as you can by your side, you can still work and be a mum at the same yeah, time. Yeah, it's such an inspiration. And I mean, fast forward some years to now, you know, I mean, literally, I'm not even going to say how old you are because I can't believe it because you're just incredible. But do you, do you think it does, as you said, like bring you that lease of life being a mum um, still to, you know, your daughters and, and at the age that you are? I think it definitely brings a lease of life because you have to go on being a mum for longer than, you know, everybody's a mum for as long as it can possibly be. Yeah. But you have to go on mothering Mm-hmm. Um, uh, uh, into an older age than is usual, um, but also it's it's also very hard because I look back and I know that there were certain certain jobs that worked out gloriously well and they were a joy and their happiness, but there were others that were really hard work mm-hmm. and really sort of troubling and didn't go well and as it happened you know on many things and now particularly over this last year of the pandemic I have time to reflect I look back and I wish that I hadn't done that I wish I wish that I had thought at the time your child needs you more Mm -hmm. than you need to do this and those are the things that you reflect, you regret, but you can't change and you you do the best you can. And I think that's for everyone, whether they're home with their child forever or they're working, they're working mums, you do your best. And you know, we're all on a journey and we have the things we regret, the things we wish we had done. Um, but, you know, ultimately we all will get to where we need to be. And, you know, I'm sure you look at your daughters today and you're so proud of them and they've been on that journey with you. Absolutely, yeah. I love them so much. And now I've got two granddaughters from my oldest daughter, Alana. It's amazing. just like love bursting out all over yeah. again. Oh, it's amazing. Um, And so before we finish, Arlene, I just want to ask you, do you ever think you'll stop working? I mean, I mentioned before, I mean, you we're not obviously at the moment with the theatres being shut, but, you know, you've been working on a production of Grease and you're still choreographing. Will Arlene ever stop? Um, I don't know. I have thought about it more and more because a lot of time has gone by last year, you know, all these years that I can't afford if I'm going to continue working. I can't lose years because mm. I'm getting older and older. I have some commitments that I know I have to do in um, 21, in 22, and into 23. But I think by that time, I'd like to do, you know, do the things I'm committed to. And I really hope they're, they're all still there because nobody knows in theatre what is going to get shifted to 24, yeah. 25. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, and I do love spending time with my granddaughters. Yeah. And... I want to be a proper grandma. Yeah. So. Oh, well, honestly, Arlene, it's been so lovely. You've had the most incredible career, but I think as well, you're such an inspiration to people, especially of, you know, as you said, everything is hard work, determination, the ups, the downs, the kind of giving your all to everything. And I've absolutely loved chatting to you today. So thank you so much. 
It's been a pleasure and I've loved chatting to you and I'm so glad we did this. Yes, me too. Thanks so much, Arlene. Pleasure. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Sliding Doors. If you've enjoyed our chat and found it inspiring, I would love it if you could rate, review, share and subscribe. Thank you so much. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com.